What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Uh, if I don't sound as upbeat and happy uh, on this Happy Tuesday, it's because of the nature of the show we're doing today. We're going to follow up on the story about Mike Hickman, uh, the 43-year-old peewee football coach in Lancaster, Texas, who was gunned down on the field in front of a bunch of nine-year-old children and other parents and, and coaches. Uh, and Today's show is going to be a bit different uh, because I just want to unpack this news. I wrote a news story uh, that you can find at theblaze.com or you can find it on my Twitter feed. I suggest you go there. I, I wrote a news story unpacking allegations in this story about Michael Hickman's death uh, that as it relates to Aqib Tlaib, the former NFL uh, football star, now retired, broadcaster for Fox Sports and Amazon, uh, covers the NFL for Fox Sports and Amazon, and his role in this tragedy. And uh, Tlaib's brother, Jakob, has turned himself in to police. Uh, the police identified him as the shooter of Mike Hickman. Uh, but yesterday and today, I spent time on the phone with uh, Mike uh, Hickman's peers, assistant coaches and head coach of the Dragon Elite uh, Football Academy team that uh, Mike coached on and that his nine-year-old son was the quarterback of that team. And so I wrote a news story with their allegations that Aqib Tlaib actually sparked this melee tragedy with his uh, emotional uncontrolled behavior, behavior that we've seen from him as an NFL football player, both on and off the field. It, according to these coaches, still continues. And so today we'll hear from the head coach uh, of, of the Dragon Elite team, Kerry Lewis, who was there Saturday night when uh, Mike Hickman was gunned down by Keith Tlaib's brother. We'll hear from uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, Mark West who was there when uh, Mike Hickman was gunned down. And we'll hear from one, I believe, one of their defensive coaches, Heath Mays, who was there. And these guys will tell a story about what precipitated the shooting and the, the arguments and the fussing and the berating and the threats uh, that they allege Aqib Tlaib made towards the referees that Aqib Tlaib sparked the ending and the cancellation of the final five, six minutes of the football game, and that his behavior precipitated uh, the, the violent confrontation uh, that ended with Mike Hickman being gunned down on a football field. Uh, and so I, I just want, th this story is uh, fascinating to me, compelling, sad, tragic. Uh, because as I told you all yesterday, I, I'm just going to start here with Mike Hickman in terms of the, the plot twist and just adding to the tragedy of this whole thing. 
Mike Hickman's daughter, uh, sister, I'm sorry, Jennifer Hickman. I, yesterday I said it was a year ago. I said it was July 2021, but it was actually July 2020 that Mike Hickman's sister, Jennifer Hickman, was murdered in Texas two years ago in July 2020 and in an unrelated, had nothing to do with football. I think it's an ex-boyfriend, uh, Jeffrey Allen Scott, I believe is his name, that, that murdered her. Uh, and, and yesterday we talked about how like, there's a problem in the black community. We're killing each other at record numbers and we ignore it, but I, I wanna play you all just a quick clip from an ABC News account of, of Jennifer Hickman and what happened to her two years ago. This is definitely going to have a huge impact on our campus. At Young Men's Leadership Academy in Pleasant Grove, heartbreak over Coach Hickman. For 13 years, Jennifer Hickman coached PE, volleyball, basketball, and track at the all-boys school, where her compassion and her smile stood out. She always came in with the smile. She, she, she touched every life. Every sixth grade student has Coach Hickman. Um, so she's built relationships with every student that has come across our campus. The school's um, like principal, said, Dr. Morning, Christopher Burksdale. What was your immediate reaction upon hearing the news? Um, I was I lost words. I, I total shock. A memorial grows outside Hickman's house where police were called to check on her Sunday morning. Officers found her inside. The 37-year-old, they say, suffered a violent death. It, it definitely makes things worse. I think just because knowing the type of person that she was. Hickman's sister, Cicely, telling NBC5, she was a great person. She was kind and generous. If you were in need, she would help you. We're just asking for prayers for her 11-year-old daughter and her family, and we just hope that the killer will be caught and brought to justice. A plea from a family and school community mourning as they look back at memories, big and small. For her jump shot, that's, that's everybody saying we are, not only has we lost a, just an instrumental person and a, a sweet spirit on campus, but just that, that jump shot will always be remembered and heaven has gained uh, a point guard. <laughs> In Dallas, Maria Guerrero, NBC5. So Jennifer Hickman, uh, played college basketball at Texas Southern. She earned a master's degree in education uh, from, I believe, Concordia University, Texas. Uh, and just like her brother, you, you, you'll, as we unpack some of these interviews with some of Mike Hickman's peers, he's gonna be described the exact same way as his sister. Someone committed to the community, someone committed to young people, a pillar in their community. This, I want to bring this issue to the forefront because we refuse to talk about this. What's going on in the black community, our inability to settle disputes without resorting to violence, that's what happened here uh, with Mike Hickman on a football field where allegedly uh, Aqib Tlaib's brother, Jakob, uh, shot this man. Uh, there was a dispute and a scuffle where according to some witnesses, Mike Hickman uh, hit, struck Aqib Tlaib with the uh, first down marker or the yard marker that marks, tells you what down and distance it is. Uh, but as you can see, I'm gonna play uh, some of this video of the footage of, of what happened at the very end of the conflict these are cell phone videos or a cell phone video that I was sent last night. You can clearly see Mike Hickman in a white shirt, originally has the yard marker, 
Then he's knocked to the ground, drops the yard marker, scrambles to his feet. These are according to my eyes, but you can look for yourself. He's empty handed. He's defenseless. He's in retreat. And that's when he is shot by a gunman. I think I hear five shots. I think the reports are two or three of these shots struck uh, Mike Hickman. A couple went into the ground. Uh, but here's the video. Judge for yourself. Handshake as that game comes to an end. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh-oh. My dude got a stick. Uh-oh. 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 Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Jesus. Knocked to the ground, in full retreat, chased by six or seven people, no yardstick in his hand, and he shot like a dog in front of children, his own nine-year-old son there on that football field. This... I, I, I'm, this is a tragedy and a tragic story. I want to talk with uh, Mike's colleagues who knew him best, uh, who were there, eyewitnesses. You will hear it from them as we unpack this story uh, throughout the day. Uh, and I just think it's important. We have to deal with this. We can't bury our head in the sand and act like this stuff isn't happening. We can't act like Little League sports aren't out of control and that parents are overheated and that former athletes, egos involved and, and just, anyway, we're gonna unpack this story. I want you to uh, stick with me today. I think, I think these guys, based on the conversations I had with them last night and this morning, will be very interesting we'll, and will paint a pretty clear picture from their view of what happened uh, Saturday night and the role that Aqib Tlaib who police have not charged at this point with anything, but the role that Aqib Tlaib played in this tragedy. I've talked to Aqib Tlaib's uh, lawyer, Frank Perez, uh, today, gave him an opportunity uh, to explain what happened, told him that, hey, these guys believe that Aqib Tlaib sparked the incident, gave him a chance to respond to that, unwilling to come on the show. I did quote him in the news story uh, th that I put out earlier today. Uh, but anyway, we're going to have an interesting, compelling, and look, we're probably the only ones covering this story. You won't find this on ESPN. You won't find it at Fox Sports. Aqib Tlaib, five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion with the Denver Broncos, played on some great New England Patriots teams, probably had a case for the Hall of Fame, for the NFL Hall of Fame. He's involved in a tragic incident that led to the shooting and the murder of a former North Texas University running back, University of North Texas running back, Mike Hickman, who's coaching Little League football. But this story won't be getting covered at ESPN. What with the, the kind of animosity and animus and tension and scuffles and conflict going on in Little League sports won't be covered at ESPN. 
Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, involved in one of the most tragic incidents at a Little League sporting event, won't be covered by corporate media and the mainstream media, will be covered here in detail. Uh, stick with me. Uh, Heath Mays, one of the assistant coaches on the Dragon Elite uh, football team, will be up next. Let me take care of a little business before we get to Heath. Uh, goodbye, night sweats, hello, summer. Hotter weather, hotter weather used to mean goodbye to a good night's sleep until I discovered Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth bedding is so soft, luxurious, and best of all, temperature regulating, I'm sleeping better than I have in years. Cozy Earth sheets are made from the finest luxury materials, including our highly sustainable and ethically produced bamboo soft viscose. viscose. Uh, they're temperature regulating, so you sleep cool and comfy year round. Cozy Earth is so confident that you will absolutely love their products, they'll even let you try them for 100 nights risk-free. And for the for a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth's truly awesome bedding. Go to CozyEarth.com fearless and enter my special promo code fearless at checkout to save 35% now. All backed by a 100-night trial. That's CozyEarth.com fearless and be sure to enter fearless at checkout for the 35% off. I have these sheets on my own California King bed at home. It's amazing. It helps you sleep better. I got the pillowcase, I got the sheets, I got the whole nine. It does keep me cool at night. Now I've run a little cold, but you know, I keep my air conditioner probably on like 75 and these cozy earth sheets make it perfection. You should get them. All right, assistant coach Heath Mays, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, as I said, we're going to uh, try to talk uh, to some people directly connected to Mike Hickman, directly connected uh, to Dragons Elite Academy, uh, their football program. And so uh, first up, uh, we're going to talk with uh, Heath Mays. He's, he was an assistant football coach, or he is an assistant football coach for the Dragon Elite Academy. Uh, Heath, uh, thank you so much uh, for taking time today to, to join the show. Appreciate the conversation uh, we had th this morning uh, about this incident. Uh, how long have you been working with Dragon Elite? How long have you been coaching with Mike Hickman? This is my first year with Mike, but I've been knowing him through the years through the Little League football program. And Mike, in terms of personality, in terms of, of passion for coaching football and working with young people, can you speak to that? Uh, he just had a passion for life. He was a great man, great father, great husband. Uh, even if he seen, even if he didn't know you that well, if he thought you was doing the wrong thing or had a thought over here, try to help you out or correct you, he just was a given person. So walk us through as, as best you can, what, what happened Saturday night? Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm based here in Nashville. I grew up in Indianapolis. I've lived in uh, Kansas City. I've lived in Los Angeles. Never have lived in Texas. And so just Little League football having preseason games or scrimmages, a little bit unusual for me, but T tell us what 
the event was Saturday night, uh, and, and I believe this was sponsored by Talib and his family, correct? Uh, the uh, team they were with, yeah, NDU, they, it was their tournament. So it was, it was a tournament or whatever, and we had the, the late game, the last game. And so this is just a scrimmage? Yeah, just a scrimmage. It don't mean nothing. Don't go against the record. We're not even in the same league. I think they was in Big 12, and we was in Texas sport. And so that's where it's hard for some of us from afar to understand how could it get this passionate over a scrimmage? What was going on? Uh, it wasn't really passion. I think it was more of hating to lose, and they weren't letting the kids be kids. They was taking it personal, I guess. That's how it looked to me. I I don't really know what was going on in them people's heart. And so in talking with you and others, it the original conflict is really between uh, the North Dallas United coaching staff and the referees. Yes, they was on and, referees. And, and y- y'all's coaching staff had nothing to do with that? No, we, we weren't even entertaining. Uh, when the game was going on, Talib was in the, on the field, which is illegal for him to be on the field in a nine-year game. We kept on telling the refs they wouldn't throw the flag, but he just stayed on the field until this one play when it got close. I think we was up 8-6. So uh, we it was fourth and seven, and we called uh, – uh, I played top running back named DJ. So DJ ran for like six yards, and they stopped him a yard short. But they just kept on tackling him and hitting him. So I'm like, Riff, like, let's throw the flag, Riff. He was like, y'all stop, y'all stop. The kids won't stop. So he was forced to throw the flag because they kept on trying to tackle the kid, and the play had been blown dead. So when he threw the 15-yard penalty and gave us the first down to lead when I rate, he ran from their side of the field all the way to on our sideline, got in the referee face, told the referee, out of ponchos, out of out of sock you, such and such down for uh cheating and being uh showing favoritism. So that's when I told him this child tournament, how are they showing us favoritism? He told me to shut up and he went back to fussing with the refs or whatever. So I kind of I know him from little league too, him and his brother. So I didn't think it, it wasn't. I ain't think it was no like animosity or hatred towards us. I just, I thought we was alright, but evidently we wasn't. And so when you say Tlaib, you're talking about Akib Tlaib, yeah. not his about, brother. Not Q, yeah. Q is the one that everybody, yeah. Not Q, I was talking about Tlaib, yeah, the one played in the NFL. And so Akib leaves his sideline and comes over to you all sideline to yes. yell at the referee. Yes, Tony, he said he was going to sock him down and referring refer, like punching him, beating him up for a bad call. And, and so is it at this point that the referees feel like, hey, we've lost control and they and they call off the nah, game? No, nah, the next play we uh, call a, a, a trap and to our running back, man, 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 take it for 60 and score a touchdown. And then that's when he went irate and got in their face and jumping up and down. So we was about to do the two-point conversion or whatever. So when we was lining up for that, the referee says, he said some more stuff to the referee. So the referee felt threatening, called the ball game, and then he got real mad. And and again, we're talking about a key to lead. Yes, I didn't. At the be to be honest, I didn't know Q was even on the sideline because he had coached the game before the tenure. That's what Q coached. So I just know Talib was on the field. I didn't see Q yet into the event. And then so they call the game, and your team 
gathers, I guess, around yeah. the 50-yard line. Me, yeah, me and Coach K. Luke was getting the keys. I was telling them, like, to, hey, put your helmets on because, you know, they upset. I don't know what they're going to do. I was getting the keys ready. So by that time, I looked back and uh, – the dude that was running the first down marker from their sideline, he was a tall black dude. I don't know him or whatever, but uh, he picked up our ball uh, and started trying to take it over there to their sideline. So Coach Mike went and knocked the ball out of his hand and tried to pick it up, and the dude kicked the ball towards the middle of the field, towards uh, the uh, NDU sideline. And so by the time Mike got over there to where the ball was, they was talking noise to him and stuff. He tried to pick up the ball, and then that's when Tlaib swung at him or whatever, and he backpedaled him and swung the uh, down marker twice to get him off him because it's like 10 of them. Even Tlaib's wife was in it. You can see it on camera clear as day. She was jumping in. They was jumping him and stuff. He fell down. So then by the time he fell down, I heard Coach K. Coach Lou came up and tried to get him up after the scrimmage and the scrubble. I seen the fight, so I started running to him. By the time I got like three, maybe four feet steps away from him, I heard the gunfire. So then when I focused, I seen Q with the gun. And then that's when I seen Tlaib grab him and they took off running. And so Mike is working the yard marker. Yes. Other guys are working, no, the, working the first down, down chain. He working the down box to know what down it is. Mike was working the down box. The other two dudes from NDU was working the, the yard marker. Got you. And so there are, and we're saying the same thing, just different Basically, terminology. Yeah. Yes. There's first down chain, yeah. and then there's a stick that marks where the ball is. And, I call yeah. it the yard marker. Yeah, it's the, it's the Mike box, is yeah. working the yard. Basically, yeah. yeah. Is working it. And so when he goes to pick up the football after it gets kicked, he's still carrying the yard marker? He is with him because he know he, they got a reputation for being aggressive and fighting and all that. So, you know what I'm saying? Even if, I mean, it's Little League and we don't want nobody to fight, shouldn't fight, but even if the fight broke out, we wouldn't still shouldn't have been no gun there. Like, it's crazy. And so the, the other thing that you told me or uh, maybe Kerry Lewis told me is like, you guys as coaches all know each other. Yes. Y'all, your kids have played on the same teams. Kerry uh, Lewis, the coach of your team, had actually coached over there with Akeem Tlaib's brother. Yeah, he coached over there at YU. This was the name of their they, uh, establishment when Kerry used to coach over there. That's how I know him personally between my other friends used to coach over there. And so you're all friends, nah, and there's really no history. I, yeah, of, I thought we was, but evidently we couldn't be. We do something like that, and we present, and then, you know he's a part of us, so we couldn't be friends. I thought we was, though. Had there been any history of conflict between the two coaching staffs? No. We have love for them. That's why we set the game up. Like, they got a little bad reputation, but we didn't been over there. We didn't mess with them. Like, that's how me and Q got killed because some dude was talking crazy to his mama at the A1D1 establishment, and I was about to go in on that dude about disrespecting his man mama because I don't want nobody to respect my mama, so I told him he needs to chill out. And after that, they had the utmost respect for me, and I thought we was all good, but and we always see each other. He let he let my other team I used to coach for rent out A1-D1. Like, I thought, like, I had the utmost respect for the people until I seen what, what really, who they really are. Like, it's disheartening. And so, and so, in my story today, I wrote, and I believe... It was you that said, you believe Mike did strike uh, Akeeb with the yard marker? Oh, yes, of course. He tried to, Mike, uh, Tlaib tried to hit him first. So, I mean, it's 
10 to 15 people trying to jump you I mean he was, he went, I mean he, yeah he struck him he's trying to get him off of him I would have did the same thing if I feel like people trying to jump me and so that admission is probably going to they're going to try to say this was self-defense no how's Why, it self-defense again I've seen getting the ball and you swinging him first and ignited he didn't have no reason to swing at you he was coming to get the ball he ain't got no problem we won he didn't have said nothing to the man ain't no words been exchanged until he started going to the ball and then he was mad so he redirected his anger from the referee because I guess he seen DA on Mike's shirt and that's how it went. And then, you know, his wife and all his little old minions followed. So. The, the, the thing that I saw on the video that was really compelling and moved me is just that, okay, he had swung the yard marker, but there were so many of them, look, six or seven people, they had knocked Mike to the ground. To the ground. He had dropped the yard marker. He had nothing in his he hand. He was defenseless nothing in his hands and trying to get up or actually just he had just, stood up yeah, just stood up and that's when the first shot and went then off. shots were fired yeah the first shot went off and went between him and Kerry and it hit the ground and i think believe the second two or three shots hit mike and then the other one hit the ground and you seen the grass popping up and that's when everybody went in disarray and just hollering and running in chaos and and so do you think you guys will be able or will even want to continue on with your season? That's a tough question right there. Uh, personally, I'm still messed up, but I'm trying to be strong for the kids. Little Mike, uh, Michael Hickman's wife and family's daughter. I'm just trying to be there for them and be strong. But I will say if, every, if the team wants to finish it and play for Mike, I will finish this season. But I don't know if I will want to go on from after her. You think this incident may stop you from wanting to coach? Mm, yeah, it's not. It's not even as serious. Like it's supposed to be for the kids. It's supposed to be fun. I I got into football because I love football and I love kids. I don't even have a kid of my own. I just do this at the premise of my heart. I work every day at the Dallas VA hospital, and I take my time out to do that. I love the kids. Man, they love me. It's just for fun. I try to make them better and try to keep them from doing the wrong things I did. But when it, that stuff go on, I mean. It kind of takes the fight out of you. And and I know this is a tough question, but I just got Mike's son was yeah. on the field at the time he saw all of this. Yes, he was the quarterback. Uh, Heath, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Um, uh, thoughts and prayers with you and obviously Mike's family. Uh, you know, I, I hope that over time um, you won't give up. Uh, you, I, I hope you stay involved with coaching football and just we got to be the change we want to see because it, it just seems like uh, sometimes we just take these little league sports way too serious. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just hope that over time your, your, your heart will soften, strengthen up, and you'll stay involved uh, because obviously these kids need men like you involved in their life, sacrificing their time. And everybody on my team, I'm going to stay in contact and help out and look out for because I love those kids. 
But I just don't know about continuing after this year. Like, I, I'd have to think about it. I ain't just say it's completely over. But I just have to think about it. It's hard, man. It's, like, senseless. Like, he he's supposed to still be here. I talk to that man every day. He tell me about his offensive plays. I tell him what I think about defense. We go over zone, block him. We just do everything. Like, that's my partner, man. It was senseless, bro. It's, like, it's so hurtful. Heath, thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, let me take care of a little business, tell you guys about Blaze Socks. It might still be really hot out there, but I promise you fall is just around the corner. So why not get ready for cooler months, the midterms, and the pumpkin spice latte season with new limited edition socks from the Blaze. They're comfortable, they're fun to show off to your conservative friends, and they're sure to irritate those liberal haters you might wish you didn't even know. Oh, I don't, <laughs> there's only one catch. Just like Joe Biden's grip on reality, these socks are for a limited time only and they'll be gone by August 22nd. Kick leftism where it hurts and get Blaze Media's conservative socks today featuring Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, Glenn Beck, and more. You're gonna love them. Go to blazesocks.com and get them before they're gone. Blaze TV subscribers get an extra treat. Use promo code BLAZESUB for 20% off your purchase. That code is only available to Blaze TV subscribers. Again, that's blazesocks.com and use the code BLAZESUB for 20% off. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, Thanks for supporting America, American jobs, and American values. Stay tuned, we have more next. Welcome back. Uh, we wanna continue our discussion about uh, Mike Hickman and uh, the young father, husband, uh, coach, peewee football coach who was killed in Lan Lancaster, Texas on Saturday night, uh, Yaqib, Tlaib, the older brother of NFL star Aqib Tlaib, former NFL star Aqib Tlaib, has been uh, identified as the shooting suspect that uh, shot and killed uh, Mike Hickman. Uh, we've been talking today. Uh, I wrote a news story, just uh, talked with uh, one of the uh, assistant coaches from the Dragon Elite Academy program where Mike coached and where Mike's son was the quarterback of the team. Now we're gonna to talk to the offensive coordinator, Mark West, of that team. And I, I just wanna give these voices and these witnesses and, and Mike's peers a, a chance to talk and, and just so we can get a complete picture of what happened uh, Saturday night. Uh, in my news story, as I referenced, we reached out to uh, uh, Tlaib, Aqib Tlaib's lawyer, uh, trying to get a response from allegations that uh, the Dragon Elite coaches believe that Aqib Tlaib uh, sparked all of this. Uh, and so uh, Mark West, uh, welcome to the program. And, and first I'd like for you to talk about uh, your relationship with Mike Hickman. How long have you known him? And how, how great was it to work with him? And, and just Mike's relationship with his son, who was you all's quarterback? I know Mike for about, mm, Three to four years, um, Mike was a Mike was a family man. I mean, he was there for his. He had three kids. He was there for his two daughters and his son, and he loved watching his son play the game of football. Mike was the kind of guy that he would do anything for any kid. You know, he was just there. He was a good family man, and 
this shouldn't happen to a man like this. He was just, Mike was there, and he loved to see his son play football, you know. And he was just there to be there, and he just, he loved the game. And so uh, from the outside, I've, I played football all the way through college. I've been a sports journalist since 1990. It, it seems like Little League football has become more emotional and parents more involved and disputes and arguments among coaching staffs and parents seem more pervasive. Is that the case from what you see and are witnessing as a Little League coach? Yes, yes, yes. It becomes more about the parents, more about the coaches than it is about the kids. And then, unfortunately, that's that's what we have come to. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be about teaching these kids to be young men. And, you know, when I played football, you know, that that's what it did. It teaches you, you know, to be responsible, you know, to show up and be accountable. And now it becomes more, especially with the social media, that just... That's just a killer right there. Social media, brag about this. This kid is this. This team is this. This, And, you know, we didn't fail into it a little bit. I can't just make it like it's just them and not us. But it just, it becomes ugly instead of just doing the, you know, the right thing for the kids, you know, helping them with their shoulder pads, mouthpieces, and getting the kid in the correct stance and things of that nature. And so it's hard for some of us to believe how did a scrimmage, this wasn't even an actual game, how did North Dallas United's coaching staff get this agitated at the officiating crew over a scrimmage? It's a preseason game, and, um, you know, we do, you know, preseason games before we do um, our season or whatever. And what happened was it was like fourth and seven, fourth and six. And our running back had got like, uh, he was like stopped like two yards um, before the first down. But the referee had blew the whistle. But their kids constantly kept hitting the kid as he was still standing up. And he blew the whistle once, twice, three times. And come the fourth whistle, he threw a flag. So when he threw a flag, um, their side was over there saying, hey, you're showing favoritism to the to this you know, to us, and we're like, we're at y'all event. This is their event. They hired these referees, so why would the referees show any favoritism to us and you're the one that's going to, at the end of the day, be paying them? So they couldn't accept that. So the next play, when we lined up, they moved it up 15 yards because, you know, on Sportsmanlike, moved it up 15 yards. We ran a play. A kid ran up the middle and scored a touchdown. Once he did that, they was livid. And it just, it went from there. And when we thought it calmed down, it didn't calm down. So what did you, what did you see in terms of what precipitated Mike's confrontation with their coaching staff? Uh, You know, it, it sounds Mike's son was the quarterback. It was his football that was out left out on the field that Mike was trying to retrieve. From your recollection, from what you saw, not from what you heard, what happened? Okay, from what I saw, you know, when the game is over, because the referees, once we were going to line up for the extra point to leave, the older, um, the one that played in the league, I don't, you know, their names 
go, but the one Akeem. that played in the league, Cleve, he came over there to the referee saying everything besides <laughs> calling the man a good man, said everything, talking to this man or whatever, walked over there to our sideline because the referee he was talking about was on our sideline. So after that, the head ref called the game, said, hey, the game is over with. Our ball was still right there where you leave it for the extra point. They picked up our ball. Mike was doing uh, what you would call the sticks or whatever. That's why he had the stick in his hand, um, you know, the first down, second down, the markers. Because, you know, they didn't have nobody to do it, so Mike volunteered to do it. Mike went over there to go get um, get our ball as he was trying to get the ball. One of the parents had kicked the ball. Mike was still trying to retrieve it. And as he got the ball or whatever, and he was walking back through them, they were talking. Mike was talking. Next thing you know, they started pushing and shoving. Mike was trying to do everything he can to defend himself. We was at the 50 because that's what we do after every game. We line up at the 50, you know, when the game is over and we go shake hands. So we were still at the 50. They were more or less up there about the 25 or the 20-yard 20, 20 line. When we saw that there was, you know, a tussle going on and they was getting after um, Coach Mike, our coaching staff started heading that direction. As we start heading that direction, you can see the brother out of his waist pull the gun out, and never in my wildest dreams did I ever think he was going to actually shoot it. You know, I hadn't seen a gun before, but never in my wildest dreams when I saw that gun did I think he was going to shoot it. As he pulled it out and we run up, next thing you know, you hear, dah, dah, dah. Everybody on our side ran back, you know, ran out, you know, to try to get out of the way, you know, to get the kids out of the way, to get the kids, you know, and it was about, a, I want to say about a good between three to five shots. After we got the kids and people was taking the kids to the parking lot, because the parking lot was every bit about 100 to 200 yards away from where our cars was. So we were getting the kids over there. We come back. Mike is laying on the ground. Did you see there, obviously everybody seems to have a consistent story about Akeeb walking across the field, engaging with the referees, bantering back and forth with the referees. Uh, Heath says, Heath May says he saw Akeeb take a swing at, at Mike Hickman. Did you see that? Yes, he, he swung. He didn't connect, but he swung. And Mike was trying to get use the down marker to get them off of him. Now, he did. Now, who he hit, I can't say. But he did swing. But he didn't, you know, when, as you're looking at it. But now, as, he, as I'm saying, as he's swinging at Mike, you, you're running and everything's going. But I did see him, you know, try to, you know, throw a punch or whatnot. It just... Everything was happening so fast. It just, and then by the time we got up there close to Mike, we see his brother coming around and he pulls the gun out of his waist and he, you know, he fired the gun. And then I'm at least thinking, like, okay, hopefully he just fired the gun up in the air and not at nobody. And when we came back, Mike was on the ground. You know, and this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This could have been totally avoided. When the referees called the game and it was over with, he could just, by him being who he is, his side would have listened to him. You know, his side respects him and he knows this. 
And from what we was told afterwards, the team before had some issues and somebody had showed the gun. If we would have known that that was going on, we would have never, I mean, never put our kids, our parents in that situation. But we did not know. And so you're saying in the game before your game, yes. there was rumors yes. or discussion that someone had shown a gun. Yes. The guy that um, there was a coach and one of the parents had got his phone number. There was a coach that came and he had told us the reason why their game ended was because somebody was flashing a gun, showing, proving that they had a gun. So we did not know that. We knew that there was a scuffle, but we did not know that there was anything of a gun being shown. So, and I just, it's just, you know, when you, when it's. So hold, hold for one second, hold for one second. I just want, there was a scuffle in the game before y'all's game. Yeah, it was a scuffle before the game before ours, yes. You know, but in Pee Wee, that's not like, let me just say this, that's not like uncommon, you know. That's not, you know, that happens, but they don't mean that it it evolves to, you know, to the next game because it was a totally different team. It, was, it wasn't the same team playing, maybe the same organization, but not the same team playing. And so tying that together with, with what you're saying is, uh, Heath said that in the previous game, Jakob actually coached in the previous game. Yes, yes. And so maybe there's just leftover, and we're way off into speculation, yeah. but there was a scuffle in that previous game, and this seems like leftover residue, a heated afternoon of events leads to a tragic ending. Yes, unfortunately, yes. And, you know, I haven't been able to sleep since that night. And I've been trying to do everything I can to maybe stay busy and everything, what I'm, what we could have done different, you know, and just, you know, there's a, there's a young man right now that's going to grow up in this world without his father. You know, a young lady, he has a daughter that's a freshman. She's on varsity um, volleyball. You know, he loved to watch his kids play sports. He also was a grandfather. You know, he just had his grandson over there the other last weekend. You know, and they took this away within minutes. The, the and again, you've well, you said you've known Mike for three or four years. Uh, it we also have learned and come to find out Mike's sister two years ago in none related to football, Jennifer Hickman, one of his sisters, ha had been murdered. This family has been touched by some unbelievable tragedies in a very short time. Yes. And he, me and Mike talked every day. I knew his, you know, his break schedule. You know, he worked at DFW Airport. And we talked on his break at 830. We talked on his break at um, 1130. You know, then he gets off at 230 and we on the phone as he's driving home through traffic. And, um... You know, and then he talked about his sister. He loved his sister. You know, it still bothered him, you know. And his son played basketball because of his, you know, auntie showing him how to play basketball in the backyard and this and that. And his son is just a 
all around athlete. I mean, whatever he does, he just he's just good at it. You know, basketball. He just came back from Junior Olympics in North Carolina. His dad took him to North Carolina for Junior Olympics, and his four by one came in second in the nation for the ten and under. You know, so this is a man that does, you know, everything for his family. You know, he was a guy that one of the kids needed a helmet, and he don't work on Fridays, but he chose to work on Fridays so he can have extra money to pay for a kid's helmet. And that's what they took away. So I know for Kerry and for Heath, they were familiar with Jakob Tlaib. I think Kerry had coached with him. Were you friendly with the Tlaib and that other coaching staff? Did y'all all know each other? I know him. I know them through passing, not like we shake hands or anything like that, you know, because we're all in this peewee world. And, you know, from July to August, there's a lot of tournaments and we see each other. You know, and, you know, we see each other. And like you said, some other people might know him than I know or whatever, but I just never really had no conversations with him. Played against their teams. This is not our first time playing against this team. We played them last year, played them a year before. So, you know, I don't understand. Well, uh, Thank you so much for the time, Mark. Appreciate the conversation and the additional insight. Uh, God bless to you and your family, and mm -hmm. obviously to Mike and his family. Um, you know, uh, I'll just lift you guys up in prayer and hope you get through this. All right, appreciate that. Right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com. Uh, we're going to visit with the head coach of the Dragon Elite, Kerry uh, Lewis, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation about Mike Hickman and the tragedy that befell uh, the Pee Wee football team in Lancaster, uh, Texas. Mike Hickman shot and killed. Uh, at the game, allegedly, uh, the police have identified Yaqib uh, Talib, Aqib Talib's older brother, uh, as the shooter. He's in custody. He turned himself in uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, we've heard from two assistant coaches that worked with uh, Mike Hickman, and and now we're going to hear from the Dragon Elite Academy's head coach, Kerry uh, Lewis. And and you know, I don't want anyone to. I'm not trying to be redundant, but I just want to hear from as many voices who were there on the scene, their perspective and point of view on what happened. We just heard from Mark West, the offensive coordinator, that gave us some fascinating insight that I wasn't aware of when I wrote my news story about the incident and the scuffle that was in the game before their game. And so this sounds like this was a heated afternoon in Lancaster, Texas, uh, that ended in tragedy at the end of the night. Uh, with Mike Hickman, a 43-year-old father, husband, uh, pillar of the community, uh, left dead. Carrie Lewis, uh, welcome uh, to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I, I just want to start here as the head coach and, you know, being an eyewitness and right there, I've seen you on the video. You can see you trying to, you know, help. Uh, how are you doing? You're just yourself, personally and emotionally. And, and how have you been able to manage trying to help these young kids that witness this? 
Well, personally, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. Um, like you said, the kids, that's my main concern. The kids, you know, they shouldn't have had to witness a tragedy like that. Not at this age and not doing what they were doing, you know. They were just playing a innocent game, a game of football like they do every Saturday. And for them to have to witness a mentor to them, a father figure to some of them, an actual father to one of the kids on the team, get gunned down like that, you know, and even the kids on the other side, for them to see their coach, you know, shoot someone, you know, it's not, that's not fair to to those kids. And that's been my main concern. Getting help for the kids. And so I just heard from Mark West, and he kind of acknowledged that these peewee games get a little emotional and agitated among the coaches. And he said that uh, the game before you all's game, that there had been a scuffle among the coaches or some of the adult participants, and that uh, you know someone had flashed a gun, and that have, have you heard this? And, and just how commonplace is it for there to be agitation among the coaches at these peewee games in Texas? I mean, everyone knows football is an intense sport. I mean, you know, there are going to be calls on this side that these parents don't like. There are going to be calls on the other side that those parents don't like. So, of course, you know, you're going to hear chatter. You're going to hear, you know, noise talk from back from both sides. But, I mean... It's never gotten to this point ever. I mean, of course, in any sport, we've all seen the YouTube videos of a brawl here, a brawl there, but it's never gotten to where it is now, to where adults are bringing handguns into to football fields. Like, That's what's been bothering me the most. Like, why did you even have the gun on you? The the Heath indicated that the Talib's football program has a bit of a reputation for being feisty and aggravate, and that some people don't want to play them, but you all were willing to. Is is that your recollection as well? Is that this? Their program has a bit of a reputation? Um, I mean, I've heard it, but I've never seen it with my own two eyes. So I can't go off of anything that, you know, from the past that I didn't see. I mean, I've heard it, but I've never seen it with my own two eyes. But I have heard things about, you know, Akeeb and Q actually, you know, threatening refs and threatening other coaches. I've heard that, but, you know, I coach with Q. I coach with um, Q. So it's like, hey, there, you know, there was no tension between us two, you know, between the two teams. So it was a good game until, you know, they start getting mad at the ref. And so you said you had heard about it. It sounds like on Saturday, 
even before the shooting, you witnessed it. What is your recollection of the late hit penalty, the ensuing touchdown, and Aqib Tlaib's reaction to the penalty, the touchdown? What do you remember seeing from Aqib Tlaib in those moments? Okay, it was a yeah, it was a late hit penalty, like you said. Okay, so the play after the late hit penalty, we immediately scored. So after the kid runs the touchdown, we're lining up for the two point conversion. Um, I see a kid walking from their sideline, approaching you know the the side judge, the ref. So when he's approaching the ref, I start walking towards, you know, we're not supposed to be past the 25, but I start walking towards the boys, you know, like towards the line of scrimmage. So he tells the the ref, you know, I'm going to sock your B, A, you know, the B word. You can a. say it. He okay. says he's going to sock he said, your I'm bitch sock ass your out. bitch ass out. You know, it's his exact words. I ought to sock your bitch ass out. And when he says that, one of their other coaches, their head coach, comes to the field and starts talking. So I go to the white hat and I ask the white hat, I say, hey, Riff, do I need to take my boys off the field because it's obvious you can't control the sidelines? And he says, yes, coach, that's the best thing for you to do. So I tell one of their coaches, like, hey, I still want the kids to shake hands. And he was like, yeah, coach, of course. We're gonna, yeah, of course we want the babies to shake hands. So we're walking to the 50, and they're getting their kids and walking to the 50. So I'm actually at the 50 with the kids, you know, on the 50-yard line about to shake hands. And all I hear in the back is someone yell, no, Mike, no. And I turn around, and it was an altercation. And shots led after. And so, and th this where I ended up talking to Aqib Tlaib's lawyer, uh, a Frank Perez, and 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 he wants to disconnect the dispute with the referee from the brawl and the fight and and the shots fired. And there is no. I, I think it's you all's. There's yeah, no disconnect ahead. because if a kid never walks to our sideline, none of this happens. It's like he's trying to throw around this, I've been in the NFL, you know, trying to throw his weight around at a youth football game. And once he walked to our sideline, all of his other coaches felt the need to approach the field and get on the field, it's like, and then even at that, the fight started with Mike and Akeem. It was Mike and Akeem who got, Mike was going to get the ball. One of their parents kicked the ball from Mike. Mike said, ha, 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 you think that's funny? And Akeem told him, you know, shut your punk ass up. And he told him, who you think you talking to? That's when the kid pushed him. And that's when, you know, you see the video with him hitting the kid with the uh, down marker. So his lawyer trying to get him out of this, like, nah, it's not happening. And then even in the video, if you watch the second video that, that, came, that came out, after his brother shoots 
Akeem runs right to his brother, and I don't know if he if he gave Akeem the gun or what, but I know I saw them tussling with the gun, like, you know, then they ran off together. So, nah, um, you can't beat this so how much? Yeah, how much time do you think transpired between Akeem coming on the field and berating the refs and the tussle between the coaches or Mike getting attacked, is that 60 seconds? Between 30 and 60 seconds. Yeah, it's hard to just care. It's hard to say that they're not connected. This wasn't 10 minutes later. If he's never on our sideline, the game has never stopped. (laughs) We never stopped the game. If he doesn't come to our sideline, we never stop the game. So, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we just want justice for Mike and his family. You know, he was a good man, working man, a father, a son, a coach, a mentor. And his life was taken senselessly at a football game. It's like, we have to do better. And so what does justice look like to you? I mean, to me, justice is, you know, of course, his brother going to jail, of course. Akib, of course, you should have some type of responsibility to it responsibility to this. I don't know if they're going to put you in jail. I don't know. But of course, you should definitely have to go to jail. I definitely don't think he should see any more of the NFL's money. Definitely. I feel like every kid that was out there, he, him, because he started this, he should, I don't know, a college fund, he should do something for all of the kids that was out there. Like, because you started this. It's like, and you have the resources to do it. You know, we don't have the resources to do it. That's why we're out here trying to help inner city kids do better and not have to resort to violence. But a $70 million man is bringing violence to it. Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to me. I, 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 you coached with Jakob, the, the older brother. Yes. How, before any of this, how would you describe y'all's relationship? It was good. We, we had a good relationship, you know. Um, I mean, we coached together. So, you know, of course, you know, in youth coaching, it's almost like a brotherhood, you know, because we're doing this out of the love of our heart. So I know everybody that's actually out here for the kids. We, you know, we love the game and we actually really do love the game. I mean, love the kids. And that's what I actually thought from him. You know, like I told you on the phone, he has three sons that all play football. And when he did the shooting, his sons were, you know, they were out there. So, I don't know. You know, I don't the, know what was going through his mind. What I don't, I don't know. The Talibs, both of them, 
you know, have reputations that precede them. Akib Tlaib's career was marked with on and off the field incidents. Mm-hmm. And so was there any part of you that's like, Jakob Tlaib, you know, he kind of carried himself like he was capable of this? I mean, I know he had a gun charge for shooting someone a few years ago, but he never brought that type of energy around the kid. Gotcha. Uh, Kerry, what do you think is going to happen with the rest of you all season? Do you think you'll continue to play? I mean, right now, I'm really not focused on football. I'm actually focused on getting these kids the proper help they need, you know, whether it's counseling, trauma counseling, you know. We've had a few kids that have broke down in school, um... A couple of kids actually ran across the video on YouTube and, you know, we're just dealing with a lot right now. I mean, it's tough, but we're not really focused on football right now, honestly. I mean, if it comes along, then, of course, you know, if the kids want to finish the season for Coach Mike, then, of course, we're going to do it, but... You know, I'm trying to get the kids the help they need so they will be able to move on from this and they will know that if you have a disagreement with someone, son, that's not the way to handle a disagreement. It's okay to, you know, it's okay to disagree, son. Some people like the Cowboys. Some people like the Redskins. That's fine. But all arguments, no arguments should end in violence, gun violence. No arguments should end in gun violence. And that's what we really want, you know, to harp with the children, you know. And we want them to – because who's to say the next time they go to a football game and they hear an argument, they won't just take off running because they think shots are coming, you know, or shots are going to follow. So – Oh, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot to deal with. But, you know, as a community, as a youth football family in Dallas, we're going to get through this together, you know. Well, Kerry, I want to stay in touch. Obviously, uh, the Blaze is headquartered in Dallas, so this is a personal story for us. My show is here based in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I want to stay in touch and see what type of support me and our audience uh, can offer uh, you guys. Uh, You know, perhaps we need to start a GoFundMe for Mike's son and wife and kids. Uh, Obviously, you know, I'm I'm sure lawyers are going to get involved at some point. And, uh, you know, there, there will be some civil matters probably to address that will help Mike's family. But in the interim, uh, perhaps me and our audience can can help Mike's family, wife, son, two daughters. Uh, it, it, it's it's when I think about Mike's sister being murdered two years ago, mm. and then I, I think about what his mother because I'm his mother's still alive. Am I, if yes, I'm, sir, if she is. I'm reading the stories correct. I'm sure she needs some support and and help. So uh, I want to stay in touch. I want to thank you and all your coaches for taking the time. Uh, we're going to stay on this story and make sure that uh, uh, pressure is applied in, in all the right places. Because, again, corporate media is going to probably try to ignore this story because the money's on one side of the issue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
no one's on the other side, but uh, we're going to continue to shine a light and put some pressure on the right people to make sure the right things are done here. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank your uh, audience for everything they do. All right, thank you. Uh, that's Kerry Lewis, head coach of the Dragon Elite. Uh, support conservative voices. Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash fearless and get $10 off your yearly subscription. Uh, I'm going to bring uh, Steve Kim and TJ Moe. Uh, TJ is actually here in Nashville. I'm going to bring uh, TJ in studio. We're going to join uh, Steve Kim by Skype, via Skype, and to help them, to have them help me unpack uh, what we just heard uh, from Mike Hickman's peers with uh, Dragon Elite Academy football. Next. We are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to bring in TJ Moe in the studio here, and we're going to roll out to Los Angeles and bring in Steve Kim via Skype. Uh, these guys have been watching me uh, all day engage with the three uh, coaches uh, that work with uh, Mike Hickman. And I, I just really want you guys helping me to unpack what we just heard. And so, I, you know, I heard many fascinating things, TJ. Probably the most fascinating was the uh, Mark West, the offensive coordinator, acknowledging that the coaches and some of the parents have consistently get out of hand at these peewee games. He even said, hey, look, I'm not going to distance our coaching staff from it, not in this instance, but in other instances, and then said that uh, there are reports that the game before theirs, there was a problem uh, with a scuffle between the coaches and someone flashing a gun, and it, and it all just speaks to just how out of control peewee sports have become, and, and I guess, and I don't think this is unique to Texas or Dallas or anything, maybe, you know, the football brings out a, probably a bit more passion in Texas, but we got a problem in youth sports. Mm. Did you, were you ever, when did you start playing football? Fourth grade. And so, and I started, I think in third grade. Did you ever get in any sort of, everybody gets in little scuffles. Did you ever get in like a brawl? No. Happened to me one time and we were playing Hazelwood Central is in Hazelwood area, which is, it's not a rough part of St. Louis, but it's um, a little great. Is Anthony Van Zant from Hazelwood Central? Anyway, go Tony great Van running back, Tony Van Zant. Yeah, he's the number one recruit Much, in the Yeah, number yeah. one recruit, yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead. I think so, I yeah. think so. Anyway, um, so kid on the other team, pushed one of our guys after the play and it was kind of getting after him. It wasn't just a subtle play, he was, he was going after him. And actually one of our coaches, and I'll use his name because it ends up being a good story about him, Jim Hamburger, one of our coaches, had a kid on the team, really good guy, went up and actually pushed that kid to the ground. And you don't lay your hands on a kid on the other team. So that started a brawl. So everybody started fighting. One and of your coaches pushed an opposing player to the ground. Yes. Mm. And so if one of the Tlebs were on the other sideline, somebody gets shot. <laughs> but. Our coaches, the men, stood up, grabbed him, and said, what are you doing? And the coaches on the other team grabbed their guys, got everybody out. We stopped, 
finished the game. He obviously got kicked out of the game for doing that. He, how this ended, instead of somebody getting shot, and this is 2000, right around year 2000, probably 2001, maybe. Um, he was in tears, walked up to the kid after the game and had the guts to shake his hand. And the kid came right up and shook his hand. He said, I can't believe I did that. I'm so sorry. And the kid at age 12 or 13 was man enough to walk up and shake his hand. That's how that stuff should end. The one time we ever had a brawl, the two guys, I mean a coach, he's 40 something year old coach and a young kid, 12, 13 year old kid shook hands after the game and said that that's got no place here. We've gone from that 20 years ago where tempers are still gonna flare no matter how old you are. From that to pull out a gun over a football that got kicked out of your hands. I mean, and, and I do think the, the coordinator was right. Social media is a part of that. I don't know if it's a great thing having a guy who's got a seriously checkered past funding the league and reports of guns being there before that. And again, I'm, you've heard me talk about guns. I'm liable to bring a gun anywhere, but I'm not liable to pull it out on anybody for any reason unless somebody's already pulled a gun. And so I, I just... To move that direction, do, do you ever remember 20 years ago anybody getting shot at a Little League game? No, no, I, I don't. But I'm sure it happened. But and, and, you know, now we're in the social media era and cell phone era where everything is captured mm. on tape and it just seems more pervasive. But I, I just think it's way too commonplace now. The only brawl I got into in football was, I think, in 1987, Ball State versus Indiana State. And we had a bench clearing brawl, mm. uh, both teams. Uh, I didn't. I, I don't know if I made it to midfield because uh, <laughs> I wasn't that interested in, <laughs> in fighting. But uh, anyway, Steve, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, what what did you find most interesting about any of those conversations? Yeah, first of all, uh, good afternoon to both of you. And Jason, you're right. This is not uh, exclusive to Houston or Texas. I read this book. The whole conversation got me thinking about this book I read about 15 years ago. It's called We Run This Game, and it's about the culture of Pop Warner football in the Miami-Dade County area where many of the same dynamics exist. Overbearing parents, overemphasis on football, uh, drug dealers and gang leaders betting on the games, putting a lot of pressure where it becomes more than just a peewee or Pop Warner football game and things can get out of hand. So that's the first thing that I really thought of as I was listening to these conversations. Look, in situations like this, gentlemen, there are three sides to every story. There's my side, there's your side, and there's the truth. Now, today we only got to hear one side. But based on what I heard, and these gentlemen seem very, very sincere, I think it's very damning on the Talib brothers and especially Akib. If you are, in essence, the promoter or the commissioner who is funding that league and you are the host of these games, it doesn't even matter your background. In my opinion, Jason, you have an obligation and a responsibility to act better than everybody else, that your standards of ethics and morals and the way you comport yourself have to be higher because you have to be a big host. Then you add on the fact that you are a well-known NFL player and realistically, uh, whether we like it or not, a role model as someone who's made it, you have to have a better, higher standard. And quite frankly, based on what I heard today, it looked like he lowered himself and he looks like he's done that consistently. Yeah, I wouldn't say, Steve, that he lowered himself. I think he did what he's been doing. 
and and in that's words, why I'll in my news story, yeah, agree, yeah, agree. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah, and and that's why. And again, we did just hear from the opposing coaches who lost a friend and a, and a colleague, and you know, you know, I listen. I talked to Akeem's uh, attorney, Frank Perez offered him the opportunity to go on the record and you know he made a few statements that I put in my story said you know hey I'd love to talk to Akeem not interested and so I, I want to cover all sides but nothing that was said here today contradicts what we've known about Akeem Tlaib in terms of his behavior on the field he's got a consistent pattern of escalating events and trying to be the tough guy. And so I just didn't hear anything that they said that was unbelievable, remotely difficult to believe. And then I also thought what added to the credibility of their story is Heath Mays, the first uh, assistant coach that came on, and, and the other acknowledged that Mike Hickman hit Tlaib with the yard marker uh, so they didn't say that, you know, Mike Hickman was just there skipping rope and, uh, uh, you know, a thousand percent an innocent bystander. But, but they don't have to say that because the video is so complete, in my view, and compelling. Mike Hickman did not have the yard marker in his hand. He had been knocked to the ground. He was empty handed and defenseless and in retreat when he was shot. That, that, that's going to be a hard one for Yaqib Tlaib to get around, and it, it's going to be hard for Aqib Tlaib to get anyone to believe that he wasn't an instigator in, in, to some degree uh, to, to the conflict between the refs and between the opposing coaches. It, it, it's just all of that stuff just sound and everybody's story and look maybe they all compared notes and got the same story but it seems crystal clear the guy walked across the field started yelling at the referees talking about I'm gonna do X Y and Z and if you I, this morning I watched a video of Akeem Tlaib after a game uh, threatened said that he and Harry Douglas a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans at the time uh, had the same agent Todd France and the next time I see Harry Douglas, I'm gonna beat his ass at our agent's office. He, he, he said that mm -hmm. to the reporters, mm -hmm. matter of factly, and he said it like he meant it. And so that's why I'm just saying, none of this stuff sounds, and there's a keep to leave with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's the Tennessee Titan deal. Uh, none of this stuff sounds out of character for a keep to leave. No, it, and it, it goes back to what we've talked about in the past, like when we give athletes, high caliber athletes that overcome whatever their problems are with their talent, this many chances, eventually they don't think they live by the rules. And he was funding this. He made the rules, right? And so he gets to go across the field and yell at the referee that he hired. He probably told him he was fired, right? And then he went to the sideline and he said, what, we do know that they compared notes because the head coach, Kerry, um, was quoting things that were said to Mike, and he said he was at the 50-yard line, right, when he heard the gunshot. So we do know they were comparing notes to some degree. It sure looks like the story to me, and it looks like a guy who's been told everywhere he's gone his entire life that, hey, that's cool, that's just a keep. He's gonna be all right. And keep in mind, I, I only observed Tlaib, but I spent some time with him in New England, and this is exactly the persona the guy gave off. This was a, don't cross me or you'll find out what happens guy. 
And there were a few of those in the locker room. This is the same locker room with Aaron Hernandez, right? So there was that culture of guys. They wanted you to know that don't catch me on the streets. And so this is a time, you know, this was happened to be a little league football game, but in Akeeb's mind, it sure looks like he thought it was the streets because somebody did something to piss him off. Steve, I want to circle back to you a question I asked you yesterday. Uh, do you see any way Akeeb Tlaib working as an NFL broadcaster again? Well, first of all, uh, I want to say to TJ, you're lucky to make it out alive. Glad to have you here with us. Uh, second oh, yeah. of all, <laughs> based on what I heard on this program, just based on that, and again, there are two sides there or three sides to every story, and there's going to be due process. The lawyers will do their jobs. Based on what I heard right now in this past hour and a half, if I was a major network, I would cut all ties to Akeem Tlaib because to me, he should have been the adult in the room, which may not be within him, but it's clear that not only did he precipitate all this, he agitated it, and then he took it to the next level alongside his brother. I thought the most damning, interesting thing that I heard, I think, was from Coach uh, Kerry when he said that him and his brother were kind of jostling, exchanging something. And I'm like, wow. I mean, here's the thing that was that was eye-opening to me, Jason. A lot of times in these situations, you know the way it works. Even when they, when people see crimes committed, there's almost like this thought process, and I don't know if it's like completely no snitching, but there is this philosophy. Yeah, but let's keep it in house. It's with the community. We don't want to get the cops involved. Let's not cooperate. All three of these of these men, including the head coach, especially. They seemed very, very open on Talib's role. And then when you asked him, what do you think should happen? He made it very clear. Uh, this guy needs to face the harshest punishment possible, both professionally and personally. What do you think that punishment should be? be I mean, do you think he should be, and again, we're not lawyers. We don't know the yeah. law that well. Should he be criminally charged? If, oh boy, now you're asking me something that goes beyond my realm. Look, was he a part of this crime? It seems to be yes. Did, what, did he act as an accessory in it? I think you can argue yes. Um, does he have responsibility given the fact this was his tournament and, quote, his own game that he organized? I think that's unequivocally true. So... I, I think I just answered my own question without understanding the full extent of the law. So there's something about there where in that situation that, yes, he is accountable. How accountable? I don't know. That that remains to be seen in the court of law. That's not for me to say. I, let, let the judges and the juries decide all that. If he threw the first punch or depending on which of those guys you, you believe or what you catch on video, some people said he took a swing. Uh, one, I think alluded to him landing at one say he whiffed one say it was a shove so I don't know but depending on what happened you could get him for assault there I think if you're trying to press charges on somebody because you wouldn't do that if it was just a little skirmish when it ends up in, with it with the body on the ground you go there um, they will try to get something I'm sure the the attorneys are gonna he's certainly gonna get something in a civil case financially he's gonna be ruined yes. if Alex Jones can be sued for Sandy Hook uh, this guy is going to, he, he'll probably be broke. Uh, Jason. This is over. Civil. Jason. Ahead, TJ. Steve. 
I think inciting a riot is a crime. Now, I'm not so sure this is a riot, but it's certainly a skirmish. But what was going through my mind as I'm watching this, and you guys were going back and forth, Akeem Talib is a guy that actually played in bowl games at Kansas. Yes, believe it or not, Kansas actually used to make bowl games. (laughs) This man has made Super Bowls. This man has made Pro Bowls. He's been on a lot of winning football teams. So he's been involved in many games that meant something. You're telling me that this late summer scrimmage or seven-on-seven game meant that much that he couldn't be the guy to say, you know what, my name is on this, I'm the commissioner of this, everyone back off, go home, let's cool down, and let's shake hands and be men about it. That's That, to me, is the most startling thing. But again, that, that old line, um, you know, the tiger didn't go crazy, the tiger went tiger, and Akib went Akib. Hey, Steve, I'm a little surprised you haven't mentioned this and that I'm going to be the first to mention it. But this reminds me of the Allen Iverson bowling alley brawl. And Mm. Allen Iverson uh, ended up going to uh, jail for, I don't know, a year, a half a year. At some point, he he ended up having to serve some jail time. And I, I... I don't, I can't remember. I'll have to look up the detail. I once did a very long profile on Allen Iverson early in his NBA career, but I can't remember the details. But that's what this reminds me of. Allen Iverson and a group of, were, were accused and I think convicted of sparking a brawl at a bowling alley where someone was seriously hurt, and Allen Iverson ended up having to go to jail. Yeah, I, they're the. I don't know if that's perfectly analogous, though, because one is a as a public event. Okay, it's 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 like this peewee football game that's out into the public. The other one was kind of like kids just being kids at a bowling alley. I think there was a racial element involved. I believe in Newport News, uh, Virginia, where he grew up, a lot of great athletes, and and it was and it was sparked in a sense because kids did not get along, and we've never really gotten clarity of what sparked the brawl. Because if you remember that story, there was an excellent 30 for 30 done on this, I believe produced by Steve James. If I remember correctly, there were a couple of other teammates involved. And Allen was handled a little bit differently because he was a blue chip athlete at both basketball and football. And I still remember because of this, I believe they asked John Thompson, said, hey, can you at least keep this kid in line, teach him a few things at Georgetown and be the example that he's gonna need you can argue about the effectiveness of that. Um, there are some similarities to both events, but I'm not so sure that they're perfectly analogous. Yeah, if I'm looking here, I think the allegation against Iverson was that he threw a folding chair uh, mm. in this deal. And I think he was the only one prosecuted uh, for this. And John Thompson, in eventually, I think he got let out of jail early based on some promises John Thompson made. But... Uh, uh, Anyway, that's what this reminds me of. Steve, to your point about uh, a guy that played, I think he played in the Orange Bowl with Kansas. Yes. Um, and yeah. won a Super Bowl with the Broncos, Was played AFC Championship game with the Patriots, been in some big games. To get to that level, you have to have an unbelievable, uh, you have to be unbelievably competitive, right? And you have to be able to separate that from this. But what piece of Aqib Tlaib's resume tells you that he has any sort of emotional stability, right? If you, we just named off the laundry list of things that he's done. It's like, there's, I can't point to a single time where I was like, oh, there's good restraint. There it is. I, I don't think he has it. So I had no expectation that in this moment it would finally show up just because nine-year-olds were on the field. 
Yeah, so in other words, the big headline is, Akib Tlaib walks away from an altercation. News at 11. I mean, think of, I'm just thinking about this, not to make light of it, but there's a part of me that says, well, maybe Michael Crabtree was lucky that he only had his chain snatched. When I think of the National Definitely Football lucky. League, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, uh, when I think of the National Football League, I think of a brotherhood. I really do, because I've seen these guys interact with each other uh, during their playing days or after they retire. There's a great deal of respect that they have, that these are modern-day gladiators. They go to war. Um, you know, in theory, they bang each other up. They try to kill each other. Um, they're physical. It's hard-nosed. It's tough. They get angry. But then most of the times after the games, I see teams shaking hands, old teammates getting together. They get in prayer circles. And I think that's one of the great things that you see and Aqib Tlaib is, and, and any time you think about an altercation in the National Football League, uh, he's been involved in more than a few. And, and, and in fact, his batting average is way too high. All right, well, uh, thank you guys. Uh, great job helping me unpack this. Um, I think I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you tomorrow.